coming in hot. Welcome to Turn Out of Punk Footnotes. I'm one of your hosts, Damien Abraham, and your other host is the off-the-cuff flying, seat-of-his-pants driving, my man, your friend, Chris O'Toole. Chris, how you doing, buddy? Long time no speak. <laughs> Good. How are you? I'm doing great. You know, I like this format. Normally, you and me, like, talk for a long time. And then we, uh, you know, kind of, you know, uh, get into the show kind of gradually. This time we, we talked earlier. So we got on the phone. You're like, hit record. And I'm like, now yeah. you're like, hit record, bro. And so here we are. <laughs> you didn't say bro. I'm adding bro because <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I picked I that up. Say, did not say bro, but uh, no. I'll accept that that's your recollection. Yeah. No, bro is though like something I picked up in the time we've been apart. Oh, I see what you're saying. On the okay. road, I picked that up. That's like, um, like you know, when you people go to England for two weeks and come back with a British accent, <laughs> beef. Um, <laughs> it's like, uh, it's kind of the same thing with me. You know, I hung out with Matt Riddle, the king of bros, for two days, and now everything's bro. <laughs> Just like to clarify that Beef does not have an English accent on behalf yeah, of Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Good covering for your bandmate, Chris. <laughs> no, I'm not. He doesn't. <laughs> um, so, bro, okay. Uh, we haven't talked a great deal, though, in the last, what, month, probably? Yeah, it's been kind of crazy. As we've talked about, I guess, the last time we got to do a footnote, which was that mega episode where we kind of tried to catch up on four. Yeah episodes at once or five episodes at once or whatever it was. Um, yeah, like I've still been traveling. It's going to be like this for the next little bit. It's going to be pretty nuts. I'm going to try and get better about putting up these episodes. Uh, so, you know, I don't leave people kind of hanging on the telephone as it were. Um, but uh, we're going to have it, you know, figured out in that regard. But I'm afraid when it comes to footnotes with Chris and me, being, uh, you know, kind of on different schedules work-wise and me being busy traveling, it's kind of hard to coordinate doing footnotes. So footnotes, I'm afraid, is going to be a rare treat. I yeah, think. but but it'll be, a, it'll be like a good, uh, a pleasant surprise when it happens. Yeah, and it's always there. Like we're – like our friendship, the bonds of friendship. Have you noticed <laughs> how like, many songs I've worked in this conversation? <laughs> you have. That to... one is especially funny when you just threw it. But anyway. Well, I've got a lot of like – got a lot of pent-up footnotes inside of me, buddy. There's... <laughs> I've been waiting for this moment. Um, <laughs> and so – but anyways, like I think with Chris and I, the bonds of friendship are very strong. We're going to be doing these any chance we can kind of get together to do them. And uh, yeah, like so Chris, I missed you, buddy. Missed you. Yeah, likewise. We uh, we chatted a bit early, so I feel we got a bit of our nerdisms out of our system. But it's like a, there's a weird um, – what is it? What's the term I'm looking for? It's like like there's something off when you and I don't speak for long periods. Yep. Like not, not between us. I mean like there's something like I don't – so when we chat, we get like the nerdy business out of the way and it's like it feels normal again or something. Yep. No, definitely. It's uh, – ooh, my poor – the poor crew that I'm working on this project with. Is, uh, <laughs> let me tell you, they're getting their own dose of footnotes, whether they like it or not. <laughs> they're learning about every punk connection there could possibly be to anything. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Um, but yeah, no, it's good to be back. Good to be back. Uh, so speaking of being back, Chris, what have you been up to? Uh, you made a you made a road trip without me. I did. Um, one thing I did, at least in the absence of the, the show, so to speak, 
was uh, I did make the trek to the. Uh, it feels like it was a fest, but it was not a fest. It was that um, uh, Templars, Battle Ruins, Shipwreck, uh, Fit for Abuse, Boston Strangler, uh, Aggression Pact. I think I named them all. Uh, show that happened in Boston uh, a couple weeks actually ago, mm-hmm. and it was uh, it was great. Uh, but it seemed to be kind of like a big, uh, you know, and understandably a fairly big deal. I believe it was the first Battle Ruins show in the U.S. ever live. They played once, I think, in Europe and uh, or in Scandinavia, what have you. But uh, yeah, so it was it was very interesting. Um, kind of the the show that would have happened in in Toronto, I think, like maybe fifteen years ago, and been uh, Gangbusters. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it was good. Uh, I think there was some some. First of all, did you ever get to see Fit for Abuse? I've never seen Fit for Abuse, and they're like a band that I've loved forever. You know, yeah, like, they, I, like since that Crust Seven Inch. Yeah, they were. Um, I have to say, I was curious because it was the only. Well, I guess Shipwrecked was sort of a reuniony vibe, but the uh, Fit for Abuse was definitely like like certifiably reunion sort of material. And so I just didn't know how the audience would react or whatever. And uh, yeah, they had a great reception and they were, they were excellent. They were really tight. Yeah. It was really cool to see. They were um, like a band that was definitely ahead of the curve when it came to that sound. Yeah. That first seven inch. What's that? You know, oh, we're going to the resource <laughs> already, but that first seven inch, um, it's gotta be like what? 95. Ninety, I think ninety six maybe. Looking her up now. I'm too lazy to go to my actual record collection and get it. So yeah, it's ninety. Ooh, I was gonna say not. Yeah, ninety six on Crust Records. So like, yeah, that's like you know, like what? Who else like around that time? I guess there was stuff on the West Coast, kind of like post power violence vibe. But yeah. like that was pre. You know, that's like pre Youth Crew revival stuff. That's definitely pre Shark Attack and all that kind of thing. So yeah. I don't know if they were ever appreciated in their first go around. It's kind of the second go around when people, I think, really. It seems like it was. seems like in that area, like in whatever the greater Boston area, if you will, um, they are like highly appreciated, which was cool to see, and, and it was really cool to see them get a good reception. Uh, but even a uh, friend of the show, David Up, um, had commented um, in between. We had a communique sort of behind closed doors amongst the show folks. And uh, he was kind of like uh, regretting not being able to, to make this show for them as well. So mm-hmm. clearly um, this is a band that I think a lot of people in our age group are kind of interested in. I th- I don't, I'm assuming Dave probably saw them originally, but um, regardless, yeah, they were really good. So they so were I just probably selling sure. this two pack there, weren't they? Like this, they were. They had the uh, painkiller and warthog speak did a, a two pack seven inch thing, which is actually just, um, I guess, what would normally be two separate seven inches: the psycho ray sessions and too little, too late. But they have them as one, uh, whatever, one double seven inch, uh, limited to seventy five, which I was able to get my hands on and very happy about. Oh, I wanted, yeah, that's like uh, I kind of wish I had one of those. Yeah, I definitely want to get these two sandwiches. Yeah, I mean, it's the only difference is there's the cover is like there's like a fold out cover that sort of houses both, and then the sleeves are the same as the normal record. So you're just missing like the kind of OB sleeve in the outer. This got really nerdy way quick, by the way. Don't worry, Chris. That's That's where we. This is where we live. 
Yeah. We live it's, in this world. Wallow in it. Wallow in it, my friend. Yeah. This is the place where you can be, be, this is our place to be free. <laughs> where we can be free. Yeah. Quote battery at will. Speaking of which, did we not, we did, I think in the last footnotes, we talked about that reunion as well. Did we not? Or at I least that we did. Happen- I, I feel like feel like we at least shouted out Jason, but um, that new song is so sick. I have not heard it, but I just I knew Battery is especially one of your your faves, and uh, and of yeah. course Jason is uh, one of your faves and one yeah. of uh, yep. my, one of my recent friends who I enjoy greatly. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. Anyway, I, I was shouting out Fit for Abuse. Uh, I want to shout out another band too, a new band who aren't like super new. I guess they're probably a little over a year, maybe two years old now, but aggression pact. I know I've talked to you about this off air, mm-hmm. but which features the, uh, uh, the Mark Schubert and, uh, Boston's finest essentially. Uh, but yeah, that they have two seven inches out. One just came out, which I have. This is your band, Chris. This is your, like, this is your band. They're good, man. Have you seen them? I still haven't seen them. The new record's called Instant Execution. Just came out on Painkiller. It's sick. But uh, I love the I love all parties, so I want to see them. And you know, and I'm sure it's going to be amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's got all the uh, all the players in it. But um, anyway, the records are really strong. Can, can but you hear open... that right now? By the way, do you hear that noise in the background? That, no, barely. Just a kind of hum. Okay, that's a, that's a blowtorch. I'm doing a, <laughs> a nail for a dab. <laughs> I thought you were actually like like previewing one song or something no my sublimator <laughs> broke and uh, uh okay so now i'm Fair back enough. the uh the old old-fashioned way of dabbing <laughs> okay nice no so, no i'm just explaining that so people hear it they're like ah oh, fuck there's something wrong with the audio there may be <laughs> but there's also a dab <laughs> <laughs> but uh the reason why i want to shout out aggression pact is because i think the records are getting a little bit of attention now which is nice but i've seen them uh i think three times now and they always tend to be openers for shows, and so I don't know if crowds aren't quite warmed up or whatever yet, but uh, I just think they're incredible, and they're really probably the tightest band I've seen consistently over the last couple of years. So, uh, yeah, if you're not familiar, go check them out and buy the records. They're outstanding. Uh, and they opened the show. So it was that, Boston Strangler, then Fit for Abuse. Uh, again, Fit for Abuse had great reaction. Uh, Shipwrecked after that uh, were great. Uh, who else? Battle Ruins, which was sort of, uh, clearly the crowd favorite, uh, and reasonably so based on, again, it being their only U.S. performance, so far as I'm aware. And it's a super group, like, you know. Yeah, and it's a super group, of course, yeah. Uh, and then, of course, the Templars sort of ended the night, and I, I think that was more, uh, I would argue that was more like the old guy thing. Uh, so there was a bit of a clearance, not a clearance, but I would say, you know, a good, good portion of the audience didn't stick around, but, uh, they still got a great reaction and were were great as expected. So yeah, it was a all in all, it was a good show, and uh, it was worth the uh, the travel out there. And we saw uh, some folks from Boston that I don't get to see often, so that was nice as well. And yeah, I think you would have had a good time at it. Yeah, I was. And I, you know what? We we were like ships in the night, Chris, because I was in yep. Boston. What twenty four hours before you? Forty eight hours before you? Yeah, totally. You were, uh, because I ran into uh, a friend of the show, Cooch, and uh, he had expressed that uh, he had picked you up from the airport. And he did. He did. <laughs> the night prior. He picked me up from the airport. I thought there was going to be some records to be purchased. 
but alas, we just went for pizza. Um, <laughs> he bought the pizza because my bank card. Yeah, this is like the my one of my biggest annoyances when I was touring and now doing this is when they cancel your bank card because of unusual activity. And it's never when you're traveling somewhere, you know, that you've never been before. It's always like, you know, Boston. I had it one time happened in Winnipeg. <laughs> so they canceled my bank card the first day of the trip. So Cooch bought me pizza. So thank you, Cooch. I owe you. Well, well big up. There you go. <laughs> came through. Came through for me. Came through for the show in that way. Nice. Um, but yeah, I was in Boston just a few hours before you working on this project I'm working on, this wrestling TV show for Vice. Um, another episode. There's a lot of stuff I could talk about from it. Um, a lot of weird punk moments, punk connections, uh, including one that blew my fucking mind. One of my favorite wrestlers, probably one of the best independent wrestlers, one of the best wrestlers in the world right now, Zack Sabre Jr., hardcore kid. <laughs> I know, again, this is not my world, so I don't know who that is, but okay, I will, uh, I will look He's into this. Fucking awesome, Chris. Oh, and there we go. I went up to him. And I said, I'm a big fan. And he said, I've seen Fucked Up play a bunch of times. And I was like, holy <laughs> shit. It blew my mind. It was like no one had ever heard of Fucked Up before in their life. Like, that's how much it blew my mind. I was like, what? how do you know that band? Oh, fuck. That's crazy. And then nice. I looked at the shirts and I realized that, like, the font on his shirt is an infest rip. And I'm like, yo, this is awesome. No indication, no prior indication that this guy was a hardcore kid at all. Nice. Well, there you go. Yeah. No, it was fun. It was a really, really fun time. Uh, Gabe Sapolsky, uh, you know, guy runs Evolve, kind of one of the great minds in wrestling. Also, hugely influenced by Neurosis. Like, <laughs> probably the biggest Neurosis fan I've ever met in my life. <laughs> Which we, we spoke a bit about that prior, but I'm just... Uh... I like that that's the band of choice, but I'm just amazed like to go so deep in neurosis. That's like a, that's a, that's, that's a next level nerd item. I would say. Well, put it this way. Like I, I love neurosis. Like I, I really like one of my favorite yeah. bands ever compared to Gabe. It could be argued that I hate them because <laughs> it's just like, that's how much he loves them. Nice. Um, so yeah, it was a, uh, it was a really fun trip. Uh, did not see any shows. Uh, saw a lot of cool wrestling shows, but I don't think any saw any bands play. But before I went, uh, Lauren and I got to go see not just any show, but an amazing show that I've been wanting to see for a long time. I got to see PJ Harvey touring on her new record <laughs> your favorite record yes my favorite fucking record and it was awesome like i've never been to a band show ever ever and been like fuck they're playing an old song <laughs> oh god another old song which uh, is crazy because that's for me that's the bread and butter pj harvey not to have you heard the new record chris i've heard what you forced me to listen to basically but forced? yeah it's well, no, but I mean, like, I say that, like, you know, with love, because it is good. I just remember you going off about it. Yeah. It's, it, it's very good. She's great. I, I like PJ Harvey in general, so it's it's all good for me. Well, listen, if if you, I, I promise, 
I don't know. I cannot. I've I, I've got listened to her other stuff. Always thought it was good, but this is the record for me. And uh, <laughs> you're hilarious. The staging of this. Rid of, me, rid of me didn't have any impact on you. Pardon me. Rid of me didn't have any impact on you. Like it was cool. Like all this stuff's cool. Like and I respect <laughs> her for you know as an artist. Yeah. You know, and I think like it's not like I'm like I can't understand why people like that shit. Uh, it just doesn't hit with me at all. Huh. Um, I don't know why. Hey, fair. It happens. It's like, uh, it's just like one of those things, you know, like you just can't explain people's tastes in music. True. Why you like things or why you don't like things. Like, why is Homies just objectionably (laughs) a perfectly good song by a group that doesn't really have as many objectionably perfectly good songs? Well, my pushback is it's a terrible song, so I don't agree with you at all. But well, that's where you're wrong, Chris. Like there is, <laughs> I guess, opinions about music and that are wrong. I like that you pulled that call back out, though. It's been <laughs> no, a month. That's right. That <laughs> I'm going to eventually win this argument through science somehow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is it going to deal with magnets, or are they not admissible? I don't think that song's great. <laughs> like to me, that song's like Anna. So I was like, okay, it's not. <laughs> you know, it's not homies. <laughs> All right. You did bring up some at the top of the show that I thought we should talk about really quickly because I was amused by it, but it also, I think, serves uh, very much what this show is about, which is that we were having a discussion about the bats. Yes. Because it had dealt with your travels. So would you elaborate? Yeah. When I was in New York, I got to be in New York for a record store day. Um, and luckily, I was in a hotel. Well, Unluckily, that was above a bunch of nightclubs late at night. But during the day, it was in like the major kind of confluence of Brooklyn record stores. So I got up early the next day and kind of went out and went to a couple places. A couple places weren't open yet, so I didn't get to go to Material World. or, But I did get to go to uh, Academy and Capture Tracks and picked up a bunch of stuff. Not record store day stuff. None of that, you know. I'm not into tourist souvenirs. I'm into. <laughs> I'm into the, I I get you. There was a few spaceman reissues that I was interested in, but yeah, I didn't. Did go you see that. the? Did you see the thing about those? No. What about them? <coughs> Excuse me. I only say this because um, um, my good buddy, my my friend in Hash, uh, Sonic Boom, uh, put out a, <laughs> a statement saying that those were all basically bootlegs, as far as him and Jay Spaceman were concerned. Really? Yeah, okay. Well, then that's... the money from them, and you know, they they were made without their permission, and huh? All this okay. Kind of well, stuff, so. there we go. Then I won't hunt for them. No. That, well, you know, and I'm only you know I'm not slandering this label. I'm only repeating what my friend <laughs> of the bud is uh, is saying. <laughs> Fair enough. Continue. I sidetracked your story, though. No, no, no. That uh, Basically, um, I went out and got a bunch of cool used records and got some stuff that I've been looking for for a long time off my want list, um, including the Bats record that was a demo tape that was reissued. And now I know you're thinking, oh, he's talking about the New Zealand Bats again on Flying Nun. No. Uh, then you're thinking, oh, he's probably talking about the Connecticut Bats that they brought up on the uh, Bob Bruno episode. No, I'm talking about the Pittsburgh bats, which I believe was brought up by Dave Martin or Dave Martin, friend of the show, contributor of the show wrote in an email about this, which is Michael Chabron, Chabron. God, my 
pronunciation is terrible of every language, apparently. <laughs> Reaching over and grabbing it from the recent pile. Um, but anyway, it's a, a reissue on Mind Cure Records of the Bats demo, which is May 26th and 84. So, hey, it's coming up to its, uh, to an, uh, a little bit of a birthday for this thing. So uh, hold on, didn't, so it's on Mind Cure. I didn't know Mind Cure was still active. Yeah, they come back, they kind of still do the odd types of things, apparently. Oh, But it's cool. like not the same Mind Cure. But anyway, I bought this, uh, record from Capture Tracks, uh, on Dave Martin's recommendation. And, uh, my God, it's awesome. Cool. It's really great. Yeah. So does Mind Cure, they only do uh, Pittsburgh centric stuff, I think, eh? It yeah. looks like. Yeah. I just assume based Dave mentioning that it made sense, but I'm even looking. They did that. They did a slip seven inch. I didn't even know that. Cool. Yeah. Um, but neat. Okay, so I gotta check it out. So what stylistically, if you were to compare all the bats, what what is comparatively the difference? You know, it's funny. Any? They're all in the same kind of wheelhouse too. I would say they're all like like um, kind of similar in that they're all jangly punk informed power pop stuff. I'd say the Connecticut bats being the most power poppy. And I would say, uh, but they're all, you know, and I'd say that the most indie sounding would probably be New Zealand bats. Gotcha. Um, and then this would be kind of the most closest to punk kind of straightforward punk, but still on that side of things. So is the New Zealand one, the earliest of them? They're all the exact same time. Oh, <laughs> like, really? I think the Connecticut one might actually be the first one, but they're all yeah. within 83, 84. Like, I think the New Zealand bats is 82, and this is 84. But they're yeah. all, like, they're all pretty close. And, you know, like, the New Zealand bats was definitely the biggest. But they all, you know, well, and the Connecticut bats had a record that came out, but it's not, I don't think it's like they would have known about each other. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, it's cool. This record, uh, so the the image I'm seeing here, is it just like a white label with like a uh, page, like pasted on the front it's meant of it? to look like, yeah, like a bootleg, but it's yeah. it's actually like pro, not pro printed, but it's printed. Gotcha. Yeah, so it's Demo 52684, a mind cure. It was released in 2014, apparently. Cool. Yeah. I got to hear this. Next time I'm over, maybe I'll, I'll have you spin it. Yeah, definitely. I really uh, I really recommend picking it up if you kind of see it around there. Oh, they get so, two out of five a rating, apparently. So your ranking of the bats, what is your ranking? What's one, two, three of your bats for you? Oh, this is probably the third. You know, definitely. Yeah. I would say Connecticut number two, and and New Zealand. New Zealand one, bats to me are one. godly at number one. Connecticut bats though only really had I think a seven inch and an LP, um, and the the New Zealand bats is still going to this day and still going strong. Gotcha. So it's a bit of a different comparison, sort of. Yeah, but I would well, but like I think, you know, they're they're diff they're different, but you can compare them. Gotcha. And, you know, like number of great songs is what I'm going off of. <laughs> cool. I just thought, based on what we discussed earlier briefly, I thought this is probably be a good topic for the for the show. No, believe me, I love talking about this stuff. I could actually go over and grab the records I bought, and we can go through them record by record. Actually, one thing <laughs> I did get. Oh, you know what? Isn't like Mind Cure Records is the one that Dave Martin did, right? Yeah, like that's why when you said that, I thought 
I thought they were like because he brought me uh, one of the <coughs> records that I was just spinning that Crush Nova, which is excellent. Uh, yeah, but ice I think cream it's like, like a label that a bunch of people have and like hand it around. I think he explained it to us a little bit because like yeah, like also like the Half Life under the knife seven inch came out on that in eighty five. Yeah. Yeah, he brought me a couple things. The Suffolk was another one, but they're both very good. But um, so I just assumed it was a label that had not continued. That like you know might have been in the '90s or something. But it's looking like it's going up until at least I'm seeing stuff from 2016. Yeah. So it's fairly recent. I wasn't aware of that. So that's cool. Yeah. No, it's a cool. It's definitely a very cool label. Um. But um. Yeah, like I, one of the cool things I did pick up was this the CBC, uh, like compilation of seven inches that Academy somehow has a grip of, uh, that is like the library records they did of First Nations and Indigenous peoples' music in the eighties and seventies, but it's like seven seven inches or eight seven inches. So hold on here, CBC did it like it's like a. Uh... Like a box set seven inches. No, no, it's not even a box set. They just did like a bunch of these seven inches, and for some reason, uh, Academy got a, a like enough on quantity that they were able to kind of stick sets together, complete sets of of some of them, like of, or eight of these seven inches. God, I don't know if there's more in the series. Probably there's more in the series, but they have like eight complete, sorry, eight seven inches, and they had like I don't know how many complete sets of these eight seven inches for sale. So is each each seven inch one one artist only, or is it multiple artists per? Uh, one a couple of them are multiple artists, but for the other ones, it's it's like one artist or one group, for the most part. Um, cool. Yeah, but it's definitely it was really neat to find in Academy of, of all places in New York. Yeah, you know, weird. not that Academy doesn't have like. <laughs> Like tons yeah, they have insane stuff. tons crazy. of stuff. Yeah, but I mean, just like you know, it's weird to find Canadian records, you know, records from Canada there. Yeah, of that kind. I know what you mean. I know what you're saying. Um, but I also got the appliances seven inch, which I've been looking for for a long time too. Cool. So you really did go. You really did go out on record store day. No joke. I went out on record store day, and it's fun going out on record store day, not looking for the record store day stuff because like there's lineups for all that stuff, and you know there was yeah. definitely things I wanted. You know, like Damnation AD doing the Cure record. <laughs> I will say that the show I was taught, the aforementioned show I reviewed, was on Record Store Day. So I did actually buy records on Record Store Day. I didn't go to a record store, though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I did. So you couldn't get that Damnation AD covering the Cure record for me, is what you're saying. I probably very easily could have gotten it, but I, I didn't happen to go anywhere, no, well, for, you for that. up our friendship. <laughs> Sure. You didn't tell me you wanted it. I would have got it for you. Well, you should have known. How could I not want that? <laughs> yeah, true. It sounds like I'm joking, but I'm being very serious. No, I know you're not joking. Yeah, the listeners should know now, too. No, I think Damien's I'm dead serious. Yeah. They know I've got weird tastes. No, it's fine. I know, Damnation's one of those bands that, like, the people that love them, love them. And yeah. uh, it's just never, not that I've ever, like, disliked them. I've just, I've never really gotten into them. But you have always. Well, it's also just covering the cure, too. It's like, that's something about yeah. that's so perfect. So very perfect. Well, fair enough. But anyway, uh, I guess we should dive into the show. Yes, sure. 
Uh, should we get to some mailbag to start things off? Yeah, we only really had in recent weeks because of the, I think, the scheduling changes and what have you. Uh, the one that came in that is of sort of, <laughs> uh, whatever, most relevant uh, uh, use is uh, we got a somewhat interesting, I think because this sort of touches on multiple themes of what we normally discuss on occasion as well. Um, but someone wrote in Johnny Rotten Trump quote. It's from Ollie. Mm-hmm. And uh, they write, can you please give us your view on the interview where John Lydon apparently gives his support to Donald Trump? Have you addressed this issue? Should we separate the art from the artist and so on? Um, uh, but we still, but should we still love the Sex Pistols after this? Question mark. And that was it from Sweden. So, Damien, your thoughts? Because I wasn't aware of this. We, we discussed it briefly prior to going on here. Well, I think we've already had to make this call on the Sex Pistols long before this happened because <laughs> Duke did kill his girlfriend, you know, and he, and he like, and as much as I want to believe that it might have been his bodyguard, there's also like a good chance that Duke did kill his girlfriend. So we have to kind of already cross that moral, is it okay to like the Sex Pistols uh, river to get gotcha. to this point um, in my mind? Uh uh, yeah, like I like I don't think it's cool, you know. Like you know, I, I don't know why he's doing it, but like part of the thing of liking these punk bands is apparently getting to a point in life where you're like, oh god, like their views don't jive with my views at all. Like, I can still <laughs> listen to X, and Exine Cervinka has said some some fucking really crazy shit. <laughs> I think my thing is I, I've heard tell of some of these things like what you just mentioned I'd always just heard that I've never looked into any of the craziness in terms of like th- those stated things so um, my view on this is yeah I don't really care I don't really care what John Lydon says about anything so I don't really um, I don't put any weight on it but yeah it's um, I don't share that view <laughs> No. But I, I don't like the Sex Pistols any less. I'll say I'll say that it doesn't ruin that for me. Because if I could live through the '90s Sex Pistols with the terrible tour, whatever it was called, Filthy Lucre, then you know I'm okay to like that band still. And to me, it's it's different. But yeah, it uh, it's not my world. To uh, I don't know. I I don't. I I think it's peculiar. What I will the only thing I'll comment on is I think it's peculiar because he is always. I guess up until recent years seemed fairly, you know, not to say that his views aren't rational in some contexts. I don't agree with them, whether they're rational or not. It's a whole other ball of wax. But um, he's never been that, to me, that sort of off the wall in terms of certain things he said. Like when I think of some like public image, it's pretty like, especially on the back of Sex Pistols, it's very, very like coherent, if you will. Um so this kind of, mind you now, you know, these are people who are like well well on in age and maybe have just different feelings. But yeah, I just think it's it's peculiar when for me it sort of comes out of nowhere with, with a person where you're like, really, that guy? You know, I don't know. That's my take. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. Like I think it's a um... – Like there are certain personalities in punk that that statement you would hear from and you'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, yeah, like it, I, I think he's just like one of these guys who's like just hit that point, you know. Like, and it just happens to like unfortunately a lot of let's face it, white dudes in in this world that get to a certain age and they just kind of lose 
grip on <laughs> reality and like start saying like wild shit, you know? Also, Igzine Cervinka too, but you know, her shit was definitely of a different kind of variety. Yeah, I've 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 never looked into it. I definitely it was like it was stuff about Sandy Hook. It was like oh. around that time. Like you know, nothing that needs to be given more. And maybe she yeah, retracted yeah. them. Like who knows? So maybe I'm like investigate these things. Don't go on my you know <laughs> yes yes uh, potentially outdated uh, information on this subject because we're just speaking off the cuff here. But at the same time, like you know, it it's, uh, it does suck. You know, at this moment to like be like, oh, uh, how can you not be on board? with with kind of like you know seeing what's up yeah you know <laughs> so then so i'm saying this as it like you know this whole thing with the fbi directors going down as we're recording this right now right so yes. it's like apparently there's like you know like like the quote i believe with john Lyon is him expressing the fact that maybe he could even become friends with donald trump and it's like really with all this stuff going down you still want to be friends with this dude <laughs> even before that like just like watching the apprentice you still want to be friends with this dude <laughs> yeah yeah that is uh that's peculiar but i don't know who who knows i don't the question is the cure not the cure the clash or the sex pistols damien well now I, as i tweeted out like i might have to concede the clash are potentially the cooler band <laughs> I think I just think that's funny that you're even like reluctant to, <laughs> to even say. It. Well, I like, still, yeah, like it's still like you know, I, I one never, good record for one good record. Like it's the you know the sex was by a country mile. Yes. No, I will take. <laughs> I, I, that's by saying that. I, never mind the bollocks over anything in the Clash's catalog. I, even I would agree with that, and I, I'm a big Clash fan, but I I do agree with that. Yes, and I still love that record. And uh, you know the Damned. Are also in this conversation too because I think the damned kind of get uh, you know glossed yep. over, but I think it's yep. arguable that the damned had the best run out of all of them as far as yep. consistently putting out decent records. I agree. I also think the damned's first record is strong, stronger than as a one-off <laughs> record standalone is stronger than uh, any Clash record standalone. Uh, yeah, maybe I'm, I might put it number two. Probably I was going to say like Clash self-title for me is like a pretty awesome record, but yeah, it's a, oh, I love it. Yeah, I yeah. think that's number three. So yeah, you're well, right. Well, yeah, compared to Bollocks and and the, and the first damned, I mean, there's no way. Yeah, like those two are vastly superior. Even if just just playing them, the energy that jumps out just with the other two, as opposed to that clash one is, is not like it's undeniable. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not, again, no diss. These are all excellent records, but it's just, you know, marginally. I, and that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, if you're rating, these are, these are like the penultimate of the first wave of British punk. Yeah. You know, or I guess germ free adolescence people put in there, but I think that comes out a year later, right? Yeah. I don't, I don't know that years on those. Well, because I know that, like the Clash one you're talking about, didn't that come out? Is it come out in North America second? Like they had some weird thing where didn't it like come out and wrong? The, and there was like a different version or, or something. Yeah, of the, of yeah. The second record, and you're right. I think it came out second here. Here's what I will say. You know, one one argument we can have as far as a nerdy element to this that could be even nerdier than what we're talking about already. Um, sonically speaking, like purely on like listening to the record and like. Like the way that first damned is recorded and the way that never mind the bullocks, of course, which sounds the best out of all of them, but like 
those two, like Damned and the Sex Pistols, right, is just like flaw. Like those recordings are so flawless. The Clash one is not my favorite recording, even though I love the record. So I think that also does not help this argument for the Clash as far as a one-off versus a one-off record. But, um, but I still think the Dam for me, it just it just has such energy on that record that it surpasses um, the Clash by a mile. But Sex Pistols is a bit more mid-tempo, but that Dam still jumps off for yep. me. I don't know. Yeah, I'd still put Bullocks first because it's just it's too flawless a record. But yeah, anyway, just a thought. Um, so that is uh, our feelings on those records as well as Donald Trump and Sean <laughs> yeah. Donald Trump, we don't care. I don't. Care. <laughs> <laughs> um, so any other emails for, to get to today? No, that one. I mean, we got a not, bunch more, but I'm yeah. I'm, I'm not going to get to them now because we got to dive in this episode. And you and me, even though we're back here. For a good time, we're not here for a long time. Yeah, so tonight not so much. Yeah, we got to dive into this week's episode. So, yep. Chris, uh, let's dive on in to this week's episode. Also, I guess we should also mention Captain Sensible. If you haven't heard, did have a uh, uh, kind of a horrible accident on stage where he fell off stage during a performance in Toronto. He is doing a lot better now. I guess they're back on the road. So, shout out to yep. the Captain. Yeah, I saw photos or video, what have you, from like a few, maybe a week past, and it, he seems okay. He is sitting in a chair when they perform right now, so I don't know what happened well, it's a high exactly. Stage of the Phoenix, he fell out, apparently right off the stage of the Phoenix. Wow. Well, okay. That's, that's, that's definitely a high stage. Yeah, not a fun fall. No. Um, but the uh, but yeah, he is okay. Uh, that is that is confirmed. Okay. Well, that's good. Good. Good on that. And then I guess we now. We shall drive in to drive in, dive in to this episode <laughs> with my friend, uh, godparent, secular godparent to one of my children. I'm a secular godparent to one of her children, uh, Leah from the band UTI. Uh, Chris, had you ever seen UTI? I was the whole time this episode was running. I, there was a lot of things I was thinking about. One was, uh, I don't know Leah. Um, <coughs> And I was kind of surprised because there's a lot that comes up that is very much like, well, obviously I've been going to things for a while in Toronto, but I we've definitely played with UTI. I probably have seen them, but I have no recollection. And that's yeah. not that's not saying anything either way. I just for whatever reason I'm drawing a very big blank. These were like the early uh, years of when I was first in Urban Blight, and so shows kind of blend together, and I don't really remember. But I believe we've at least played with them once. I know we're on at least a compilation with them, at least one, I think, that Toronto's burning. Yeah, like we're I believe they're on that and we're on that. Yeah. And I remember we played a release show and I think that's where we've played with them. Yeah, uh, I think it was at a drift, right? No, that was like a weird um oh, it was, was somewhere in, in the east. It was in the East End. Uh-huh. I don't remember where it wasn't Siesta though. It was at um I I can't even remember. I, to this day, I can't remember. I always think about how it's funny that I don't know what the venue is, but it's just like some bar I, I'd never really been to in the East End. Um, okay. But anyway, yeah. So basically, the whole time I'm listening to the, the episode, I'm just thinking, like, it's amazing that I don't know this person. Like, yeah. because what she's discussing is, like, exactly, you know, it's it's not... 
she she brought up a lot of bands that I that weren't really in the sort of scene that I was, so to speak, broadly termed. But but at the same time, like yeah, there was stuff that you know she brings up Hazardous Waste, she brings up Bad Skin, all that stuff. Like I saw those bands, I you yeah. know like yet I don't recall. You know, it's just what I mean is like I'm lamenting like, oh, this person seems like nice. It's, I don't know how I never met them. Even Pete, the whole hits and misses thing. I like, yeah, all that, all of it. Anyway, Leah's not like, you know, not someone who tries to get attention. I don't mean that in like any sort yeah. of like, you know, like she's a, a she doesn't have opinions or anything like that. Or but she just, I don't know, like just like as is the last person you'd expect in the world to have this. Re- ridiculously hard voice you know <laughs> yes which you have and to be fair like when people listen you have always said that to me even yeah. when i you know like the, i'm like well before i ever knew you're going to interview her or anything i always remember you going off about her her vocal delivery well she um, and i did she sings on uh a b-side for the last fuck one of the last fucked up record songs cool um, and, uh, yeah, like I've always thought she had like, you know, well, you hear in this episode, I tell it, you know, she's yeah. got, like this voice that's just like super hard, like, nice. like such a, such an awesome voice, sounding voice, but like, you know, not at, at all the person you'd expect to have this kind of like <laughs> demon esque delivery <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> when they get up there and start singing the mic. But yeah, like definitely. It was awesome. I think this episode was great because it gave me a chance to kind of like, there's, it's, it's funny because like the time UTI was playing in Toronto, I was on tour all the time. So I didn't get to yeah. like ever get to really see him too much. Yeah. I don't think maybe once. And I've seen him probably once, like I said in passing that I remember, but yeah, like I, I vaguely even, but that show, I, you know, I was there. I don't remember much about it, even our set, but, uh, yeah. Well, that was like almost like you know when Urban Blight kind of became the kings of Toronto in a lot of ways. Wow, I'm I'm not accepting that. If you if you want to ban me, that go go ahead. But I mean, like it was uh, like we I was on tour. Career suicide wasn't. Going I know in. what you mean to say. Yeah, it was. The, it was for me those years. What I think was really excellent about this interview for people that are really interested in Toronto punk and hardcore, especially in like the last decade in particular, um, it painted a picture of a scene sort of an ass or at least a part of a scene that that doesn't really get mentioned all that much and it's not to say that because it wasn't good or anything it was just for whatever reason like she even brought up bands that i was like oh i remember them too yeah what like you don't realize how things come and go so quickly sometimes and so i think for people that are really you know keen on all the nooks and crannies this unlike a lot of interviews that you've done, uh, really kind of hits a specific era that hasn't really been discussed, at least on this show. Yeah, like definitely. I think, you know, and that's probably my fault because I wasn't around for a lot of that stuff. Um, so, <laughs> no, but I, I'm not saying that to be like, it's on you. I just mean, it's just so happens that the guests, the eras they've covered have either been earlier or, you know, perhaps later, but different scene. You know I mean? Like you've discussed some of more like the pop punk stuff, uh, that's more contemporary, but it's not really this scene either. You know what I mean? Like Toronto's a really complicated beast, as you're well aware. Oh yes. But, uh, but anyway, I just so I thought it was neat. Anyway, what do you want to uh, get into first here, point wise? Uh, um, I don't know. Why don't you take the first one? Well, it's just a random point because I love that you noted it here, and I just find this funny and insane. And it actually was confirmed to me, which is 
not really too punk related, but friend of the show anyway. Uh, Sloan practicing one at a time. Yeah. I know it's a weird starting point. It doesn't really address her trajectory. We'll get to that, but I just wanted to make sure we discuss this yeah, for a second. I definitely. I was going to text Chris Murphy about it and be like, Hey, you came <laughs> up on the show. <laughs> but seriously, the, like one on one hand, that's incredibly, um, for me, you have to be an incredibly, uh, talented musician to be able to do that. Uh, I do think it is incredibly weird. Um, but it makes perfect sense at the same time, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. But uh, I've never, ever, ever heard of a band do that either. Have you? No, I haven't. And and I play in a band where that could conceivably happen. <laughs> yes, um, exactly. But it, like, there's always like shifts, you yeah. know. Like it's always like groups of people practicing because like what a weird lonely feeling. And then like why even practice? Yeah. Is someone checking up. Yeah, you it's know, very like, very crazy. <laughs> So I'm curious for you to get clarity on that one also. And well, I feel that's like Chris Murphy part two right there. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so anyway, that is doesn't really – but the, her living at the rehearsal spaces is wild too. But anyway. That rehearsal place, it's I, – like I think about this sometimes. Like you go through there and you think of the bands that came out of that place and you know the direction Toronto music went. Certainly Toronto aggressive music. It's It's nuts. How many bands have come out of that place or been through that door in practice? I, that place? I love those. Uh, I love those practice areas. I always have. I've, I have very fond memories of all of them because I've either usually recorded or rehearsed for some kind of show that I was excited to play. Or and uh, yeah, so I have very fond memories. So when that all came up, too, I thought one, I was envious of kind of like. Although I think it would kind of suck to live in a practice space. But at the same time, I think it would be kind of neat if you were really interested in music, you could jam all the time. Well, have you seen that movie Hype? The history of Seattle music? The Seattle have, grunge one? I have not, no. There's an amazing scene where they go through a practice space and they're just like pointing out all these bands and talking nice. about them and stuff. But I love those. Yeah, it's like the Boulevard of Broken Dreams. <laughs> We walk through the door sometimes, but my favorite moments walking through rehearsal spaces is when you like when you hear like a cover, like a like a very redundant cover. Yeah, and you're always like, "Why this? Yeah, why? Like, did you ever uh, go to Cactus Studios, like the old Cactus Studios? I think this has come up before the show. I, I have not, but I do remember where it was. I never went to it. Oh no, actually, I I think I did this exact same thing when we discussed it before. We did rehearse there once, you and I. Oh yeah. Which I forgot. So yes, yeah. I had been once. Three people were murdered in that building. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, you used to have, and maybe you still do, a flyer for a memorial <laughs> for one of them. I still have it. Yeah, that was one of the most striking things. I remember first going to your place and thinking, like, how do you have this? Like, why? what is this? Because it looked like something out of, like, you know, an early, like you'd see now in a book about, like, 90s black metal in Norway or something. Yeah. And it was just like, this happened here? <laughs> like, yeah. It was like, crazy. Anyway. Like, someone's got to do, maybe not a book, but at least a article about the early black metal scene in Toronto. Yeah, clearly, yeah. Which like, I know really nothing about either. There was this guy who had a butcher or his parents owned a deli and he had like a weird CD store above it in like the late nineties. Yeah. That like specialized in like black metal. <laughs> it was very, very early for that. Yeah. 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 It went into business. So maybe too early for that. 
Yeah. Well, if you got into it early, that was not something that caught on immediately. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it definitely, uh, you know, it doesn't pay to be an early adopter in music. <laughs> no. Most of the time, no. No. No, you're much better getting into it late. Yeah. You know, that hence... Call me OVO Dame from now on, because I'm on board the Drake train. Woo-woo! OVO Dame. Nicely done. <laughs> now, I'll t- hey, if they want to sponsor it, so be it. Uh, sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, Your uh, point, my friend. My point. My, let me get – I can't uh, – for some reason, my file is not open. I'm just looking up the uh, – I'm just on your actual, like, audio is what I'm using right now instead of the thing. Yeah, well, let me – I have that master list, Chris, and I'll oh, let me get the file open. Now the file opens. Boom. Um, You know, I guess uh, – I guess, like, I, I kind of wanted to talk about that early Ottawa scene. Yep. And, and that five Arlington scene. Yep. That, uh, that, yeah, that was nice for me too. I'd never been to Five Arlington, but I recall I had a friend who went to university, um, when sort of it was, well, to my knowledge in like the mid nineties when it was pretty vibrant still. Mm-hmm. Um, and I even remember, uh, I did get to see Shotmaker in Ottawa once, which was sweet. You saw Shotmaker uh, in Ottawa? Yeah. 96. Wow. And I, yeah, it was great. Um, that's like at right at the called, end, right? Um, because they threw many offers like '97. They're going, yeah, maybe, but it was, yeah, it was. It might have been toward the end, but yeah, it was. Um, it was at a place called I think it was called Two Steps Above. It was right downtown. I'm sure any Ottawa people listening will uh will clarify this for me, but um, but yeah, they were great. Um, some of the bands, like she, the bands she mentioned, I, I wasn't aware of, but I did have like these weird little connections via, like I said, a friend going to school there in those years. So. Uh, it's kind of warms my heart to hear about it, but I never went to Five Arlington. I'm always curious, and actually, maybe if anybody has photos or what have you, please send them to the show. I'm just curious to see it. I never knew. Oh, you've definitely what, seen photos of it. I never have. Not that I can well, think of. I mean, not the outside, but like I'm sure you see because, like, you know, that's oh, like, inside, yeah, 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 like definitely the show space. Yeah, I've never. Uh, I just never had gone to it. I never. I don't know. So I've. I that's kind of. a have always heard about it, but I never knew much about it um but i do find it funny because that did that coincide like are the same years for who's emma around that time as well no i think it predates it by a couple of years but maybe i'm wrong yeah well i think maybe they were going simultaneously for yeah, a minute probably. but i think i think five arlington may be folded by the late 90s i can't remember yeah <laughs> anyway had yeah folded by the late 90s right like 99 and stunned or no yeah uh, i i think so yeah summer 99 or summer 2000 that sounds about right. I remember. Anyway, yeah. So the, the Ottawa thing, I find it interesting as well that she's another person who has gravitated from Ottawa here and sort of made her way more in this music scene than there. Yeah. Which I don't know if that speaks to Toronto being more vibrant or something in, in the years that she came or, or what the story is. But I think it's like – that's what I find also fascinating because she kind of like, you know, just didn't find – you know, like we're talking about fit for abuse being ahead of their time. It's like yeah. if you liked a certain type of hardcore, yeah, you weren't going to find it in the nineties. Yeah, I agree. Or you had I to think, find it in different ways. You had to get it in different places. Like it wasn't like it is now. Yeah, I think um, I think that came across really well, actually, and her like she articulated that very well. Um, 
and it actually just reminded me of, yeah, like just kind of like we talk on the show, we, we talk about a lot of labels that put out a lot of like great weird things and like a billion records that came out in the nineties. But like my recollection, I'm sure as well as yours to a degree of the nineties were largely, yeah. Like I remember being like being kind of bummed at not finding like, yeah, <laughs> more more like more minor threat if you will and uh yeah. less i don't know less something else <laughs> and uh That's i think why, like I'll, bands like crudos and yeah. bands like mk ultra yeah. and and capitalist casualties and like those bands totally. hit so fucking hard because yep. they were so good at a time when there was not very much that was good Exactly. Which also then you think of things that you go back on that maybe haven't aged the greatest, but still stuff that I remember being really interested in at the time, like Spaz, who we've discussed. Yeah, um, like, and I, I, I think I've gone back and actually re-listened to Spaz again, like for the, for the third yeah. time, and uh, I'm like back on board. But yeah, like I know what you're saying. Like I'm back on board. It's just some of the recording, some of the, like some of the choices for things. Like overall, they're they're in the right place, but there's just still something slightly off on some of the recordings or the something. Yeah, it's it's also like you know silly songs. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's a, you know like it's like it's funny because like you look at a band like despise you which mm-hmm. was like kind of like a not a joke but all but like definitely a project band at the time and just how that's aged just because the the subject matter is so much more serious mm-hmm. i think it's aged better i think it's it's funny with like humorous stuff it, it ages differently yeah having said that we've you know and by no means am i throwing shade at spaz no I god no that. they're one of the best bands and like, uh and we've We've talked very highly of them on the show. I'm just using them as a, a comparative of the era of something that was like really hitting. Like for me, like in that those years, that was like amazing. Like, oh yeah, that was the biggest. Yeah, but yeah, I think Ottawa's scene. I mean, for what little I can speak to it, not being from there, from what I remember, it was not as much. You know, um, I don't know, capital P punk, if you will. However, you want to say that it was more like DC influence, like. 90s style not so much i don't know whatever mm-hmm. um not that <laughs> not not oh, so no. much new york hardcore or no. boston hardcore or whatever no it's like and it's it, it, it's you know and that's on no disrespect to like no of course not yeah. any of these bands but like if you wanted fast hardcore yeah in, in in the late 90s you know not the late 90s but in the mid 90s it was hard. Like there were very few bands. Like I remember yeah. going to like fests and just being bored shitless for like <laughs> true, exactly hours, yeah. hours, just like waiting for like despair to play. You yeah. know, just being like, oh my god, how many slow bands are going to play today? <laughs> and then despair would come on, and it'd be like yeah. they'd have some oomph to what they're yeah. doing. And you'd be like, fuck, this is awesome. Yeah. But what I think the bread and butter of Ottawa was in that area, because I'm pretty like Shotmaker were not, they were an Ottawa band, correct? They weren't from outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like that, that band's excellent. I still yep. love Shotmaker. Like, so they, they had things they had. I, I was kind of amazed that Birdman never came up on her, uh, her early Ottawa discussion, but, um, well, she said she wasn't really into buying music. Yeah. Yeah. But I just mean like that for me, it's just funny that she's finds hits, but like Birdman was there and that never came up. Well, because I don't think it's still like, you know, it really doesn't seem like she obviously loved the culture, you know, yeah. and wanted to participate in the culture. But it wasn't until 
and it's 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 always going to be fucking weird to talk about this one because it, it involves fucked up. But like, it wasn't until she saw like those <laughs> bands that summer, yeah, that 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 kind of period of bands that were all just kind of playing around Toronto, yeah, that she got kind of like was like, oh, this is what we this is what I wanted to find. This is the sound I was looking for. And not saying it couldn't have been any other number of bands <laughs> at that time well, period in any other city. It just happened to be Toronto and it happened to be our bands because there were a lot of bands doing this stuff at all yes. over the place at that time. Yes. And I, as someone who was more outside at that time and not in your band, uh, I can speak to it. Like it was special to see the, you know, of course your band crew suicide, but like even Schmitz with Brutal Nights, like any, mm-hmm. any bands of that era in those years in Toronto were pretty special to watch in some regard, even if they weren't my favorite bands, there was definitely something that was really in the air that I get why she sort of gravitated to it more than what she'd been hearing like years before in Ottawa or whatever. Again, no diss. I just think like for me, there was, you know, it was a very vibrant time. And so like to fall in the middle of that, I totally get it. And it was, I felt the same way. So I, I, I identified with that uh, observation. Yeah. Like, and I, you know, I can, I can definitely be outside enough because there's other bands at that time period that, it was like a really cool time. Like it felt like, you know, like there was just like a bunch of bands clicking. There was a bunch of, you know, people paying attention, Yeah, you know, and, and, and from all over, like it felt like, you know, there was like an actual like scene and across yeah, in Ontario, you know, like, you know, you and me, the friendship bonds of friendship strong <laughs> form at that time. Call back. Good one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, I don't. I, we I don't remember how we digressed off the Ottawa point, but uh, yeah, I just in I'm general, about Birdman, I, not oh yeah, not yeah Birdman. Birdman, Birdman and Five Arlington, yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Ottawa's great. Ottawa, I enjoyed visiting Ottawa in those years, but I didn't know, and to this degree, like to to a degree, still don't really know like a great deal of what goes on as far as like bands in the, from that city as of late, but. Um, but yeah, I have a, it has a special place in that kind of like mid '90s period in, in my mind. Yeah, absolutely, and I, like it's crazy to think of like the bands that kind of came out of there. You know, like you know people like who wound up in bands like Arcade Fire, uh, yeah. Black Mountain, uh, Mets. Uh, you know, like UTI. Like it's a. You know, there's like, and of course, Sean Scallon, who's like still a fixture, obviously in Ottawa, and still yeah. kind of like an essential part of the music scene, and someone who comes up on this show a lot. Yeah, you got to get him. Yeah, uh, we'll def- that definitely happen one day, hopefully, if Sean uh, is is willing to. But I, I think I can bribe him with vegan treats or some sort of, <laughs> nice, you know, something that you would like to. Yeah, for uh, sure. Uh, but yeah, no, he, he's, uh, you know, like a, still a fixture, obviously in the music scene and, and in music in, in Ottawa. But, you know, the thing about the people that came out of Five Arlington, like that's like a pretty, I don't know, that's, that's obviously my bread and butter is like looking at scenes and like looking at these clusters of people. But like, that's like a pretty big impact in a diverse little field of music. You know, and I'm not, I'm just, I'm, and I'm obviously glossing over like dozens of more bands and dozens of more influential things that kind of came out of that scene. Yeah. No, agreed. I think it's funny that she had mentioned, I'm trying to think of the station. Did you write it down? CKCU. Uh, well, she mentioned CKCU, but she, I thought she mentioned another one as well, but, um, 
CKLN what she was listening to when she heard that BMO in Mr. What's C- is CKLN Toronto or is that another Ottawa one? No, CKLN's Toronto. It is Toronto. But there was ah, there was another one because I remember CKCU was the one that my friend was tuning into in those years too. And well, he was it's probably the University of Ottawa and there's probably Carleton too, right? Because there's the two yeah. universities there, I think. Yeah. Either way, but I remember hearing of radio shows of that era in Ottawa as well, and them being very important. Um, I wish I could remember the names of some, but wasn't the one that she mentioned that I'd heard of. But yeah, like things punk related. As I awkwardly kind of bring up there, like JC Jeff Cohen, who for Sandy Miranda from Fucked Up and myself is like a huge mentor. And a lot of people in Toronto, like a, a definitely a person that, you know, got exposed people to a lot of, you know, 90s pop punk mainly, but also, you know, garage rock and, and, and all sorts of stuff too. But he, uh, he also got to start doing radio in Ottawa during that time. Yeah, which is, it's cool. I never, I wasn't aware of that until you mentioned it on the show, like in the interview, but the, um, the part I find cool about that is I remember hearing like about shows there, like I said, my friend's at school and then kind of getting into like whatever college radio and all that. And then coming upon mods and rockers here. And of course he does that. And then that show became, you know, even to me, I never knew him, but, uh, you know, it was a, it was definitely a big deal even where I am, which for listeners, I'm about almost two hours South of Damien. So I'm not in the area, but on on a good day, it'll come across the lake. So, yeah, even even the people here, I mean, it, it was it was uh it resonated for sure. And I think cuz you do those whatever intro the punk shows, pop punk shows of that era yeah. too, right? Yeah, yeah. So there was always that, you know, people from out of area would travel this, to the shows. So people definitely knew of it down here too. That show definitely had pretty broad reach all things considered. Yeah, like I remember in the exclaim readers poll, it like beat Howard Stern as like the most listened to radio show like handedly. <laughs> Wow. Um, but it was like, you know, it had a great CAT at that time. I hope it still has some semblance of this, but it had an incredible range. Yeah. And so, like, you get it in Buffalo because, yeah, like, as you say, the lake yep. and just where their tower was. I think they were on CN, the CN Tower, their transmitter or whatever. Yeah. Um, so you could pick it up all over the place. And it was, uh, you know, what he got to start in that Ottawa radio. So it's, Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. It, it's, uh, it's, it's amazing when you think – you know, and it's probably because we haven't done footnotes in a long time, so I haven't been able to say <laughs> this in a long time. But it's amazing when you kind of look at it and you see how much of this stuff is traced back to, like, little things. You know, like, these little moments of, like, you know, Five Arlington, like, how many of these little bands would, like, played there. But, you know, some of those bands went on to become huge bands, you know. Yeah, agreed. You know, like, all these people that were just doing these little community radio stations and, Yet, like, the people that they touched and the lives that they touched, like, these people went on to do all sorts of things. And, you know, like, they had profound effects on these people. Like, I, I think about, like, the effects that people in college radio had on me. I got to see Dan the Mouth Lebransky this weekend, Chris. Do you remember <laughs> Dr. Mouth's Medicine Cabinet? I know. I never knew that one. That was another CIUT show. That was, like, a, an incredible show. But that's where I, I got to hear a lot of Hawkwind and Motorhead and a lot of nice, awesome sort of psych and garage stuff and like just heavy, heavy rock stuff. Um, and now he's a, uh, <clears throat> well, he, he was even then, I think he's also a, uh, broadcaster for live audio wrestling. And I oh, got nice. to see him this weekend and, you know, ca- catch up with him. And I'm like, 
I, every time I see him, I bring it up. You know, Dr. Mouse Medicine Cabinet was a huge show for me. Thank you for that show. Cool, man. Yeah, I, I in those years, I was very keen on, like, college radio, too. So I, I, I'm i with you in the sense that it's almost, like, kind of bummed in my mind that I don't try to look for what's going on now. But I feel like it's a bit of a different era, too. Not that radio was dead, but um, podcasts are the way. <laughs> as yeah, like, as I would love know. to have a radio show. And if you're listening to this right now and you have the ability to give me and Chris a or Chris and I a show where we can play records that we're talking about, please reach <laughs> yeah. out and do that. Um, but yeah, like I'm the, you know, at this point, I don't know if it would have the same impact. I've toyed with trying to get a radio show on trust real radio just so I can go and play records. But yeah. in my, uh, limited conversations about it, I've been informed that radio stations don't actually have record players anymore, <laughs> which is such a bizarre, yeah. bizarre thought. Yeah, yeah like, and a sad thought. Yeah, I'm like, well, you know what? You should just get a couple of these just for show. <laughs> yeah, they don't work. They're just props. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so that, that, what, there was a prop one that I saw at one radio station I went to. So you know, we're not past that point, Chris, <laughs> at all. What? Uh, We've exhausted Ottawa here, though. What is it? My point or your point? Uh, it's I guess it's uh your point. Or my point, okay. my point, I guess. Well, I didn't no, find Your point, your point. Pick something. Um, trying to think of the stuff. We don't have to go in deep, deeply on this, but I just wanted to, again, shout out the Pump Up the Volume mention, and it's great. And I again, think the that soundtrack, dude, that's like another yep. one that's like, yep. like that, Tony Hawk. Depending on your age, there's certain things that seem to have been touchstones, but like yeah, yeah. that soundtrack definitely of your of a certain age and like, yeah, looking for pirate radio. I definitely had memories of doing that. Yeah, that was like the you know the the crux of that movie is is very much you know sort of what is, was the most ideal scenario in my mind in those years, which was find some pirate radio station and just like just be amped on it. <laughs> um, but uh, but I do like that movie. You should kind of poo pooed the movie. I will say I still like the movie. Uh, it still holds up. But I think uh, the best one of the best movies that guy ever did. It's definitely yeah, it, better than Empire Records, which my wife <laughs> loves. So you watch how loudly I say that. <laughs> it's like it's got a little bit of moments of cheese, but by and large, it's it's still pretty right on. Um, okay, what am I looking at here? So I'm trying to think of what we should go into here. Do you want to go into like? Uh, I was going to say, you don't have it written down. Oh, no, yes, you did. I kind of wanted to talk about the, like, Armed and Hammered, Endless Blockade, and Living Darkness, and Bad Skin, I guess. That, those bands, if you if you care to or not, Damien. <laughs> I would definitely love to talk about it. Armed and Hammered, to me, is one of the best bands ever from Toronto. And that's, like, another band from those kind of, like, you know, eras of kind of searching for stuff that was kind of like meeting the sonic requirements I was looking for. They ticked a lot of boxes for me, you know, and like I, I still stand by Armed and Hammered. as yep. One of the best bands from Toronto from that era. Yep, I agree. I uh, never got heavily into them, but I was always aware. I always liked Toronto has seemingly always had that scene. Uh, it, in one fashion or another, it seems in my lifetime, at least. And they were the one that was most formative to my years, yeah. um, sort of in the background, if you will. 
that doesn't I'm not trying to say that to pay them any disrespect, but they just never seem to get like major for attention as far as like gigs or whatever, but they were always sort of in the ether. Um, but yeah, I, I even remember seeing like a weird little, uh, like back when I think it was, it was either much or new music, but I want to, well, I guess it would be much either way, but I remember much doing a little, uh, whatever, one of these like, uh, snippet things with them out of nowhere too in the nineties. <clears throat> it was like, like someone was at a gig and like they interviewed whomever really quickly. And it was just like, you know, here's a new band or not new band, but whatever, here's a Canadian band. And, and like, it was a little thing with them, oh, which awesome. I can't imagine that ever, you know, happening now. No. Um, so it's just, yeah, they're, they're a cool band. Um, they were a great band. They like, they, to me kind of had that motorhead sound. Yeah. They were fast. Mobile was a great singer. Um, like there were other bands in Toronto that were cool and like I liked, but they were the band that to me, I'm like, oh, this is kind of the sound I'm looking for. And then, you know, you're right. They didn't get a lot of the big opening slots. Like, obviously, I think the skate punk thing, the yeah. Epifat thing came and, and changed, uh, you know, well, certainly my direction, um, but a lot of kids' directions at that time. Yep. I'm kind of realizing now more and more that's like the glam metal of our era. Like, that's <laughs> the hair metal of our era. And, like, instead of having teased out, like, you know, poodle hair, you would have like slick backed hair and Arnett sunglasses on and board <laughs> sh- shorts and like airwalk. <clears throat> True. Yeah. I think, uh, well, and especially when looking at it framed, like you just put it, which I think is a very good way of putting it, which is the idea of like a group like armed and hammered, um, perhaps didn't get as much attention as they deserved in that genre, even in Toronto, because, stylistically they weren't like a skate rock band if you will yeah they weren't like uh, at the time the skate rock stuff came yeah and just like changed you know like uh like i i think it would have been hard for arm and hammer to get like they obviously had their fan base yeah to get kids like me who were just you know drawn to the skate punk i remember yeah. just going to a show and it was like random killing playing with like five knuckle chuckle yeah trigger happy <laughs> maybe <laughs> Uh, trunk Ran- definitely. Played. Did you say random killing? Yeah, or- yeah. yeah I'm and I remember to think just being like, uh, random killing just was like, I'm like, yeah, I'm not into random killing anymore. I like all these bands, and yes. now I'm like, yo, random killing's fucking sick. Yeah, they're great. So was Five Knuckle Chuckle. Don't get me wrong, but <laughs> yes, one of your faves, as we know. <laughs> <laughs> but I think um, so. That scene, I think that that's cool that she was still able to catch a part of that at least as far as the armed and hammered element well she got no she's on the g-men which is the post or g pardon me which but is the whatever the Mopa's same post band and most mopa dean also to bring it back to college radio former program director of ciut nice yeah cool but uh so g-men i don't know i never saw them or whatever what's the stylistically are they the same or a little different like but yeah like kind of like a, a more modernish take on what arm and hammer was doing arm and hammer definitely had like a raw edge yeah um but g-men were great you know like definitely a weird bill like a, pulling from multiple generations and multiple scenes yeah that show that was <laughs> described yeah <laughs> But I think the these groups that she mentions are the groups that well I shouldn't say endless blockade I think were, were a popular group I, I think they were because they have a lot of records out if I remember correctly like and you're, and you're talking to uh, the original lead singer Chris that's right exactly so I'm, you're, 
<laughs> but uh, but whereas these are bands, I don't think Living Darkness, I guess, is more the example of what I was thinking of. Like she brought that up, and I thought, wow, I hadn't heard thought of that band in a while. They had a record and, though, right? Callahan did. They it. do, yeah. Callahan did it. They have one seven and Joe at least. Uh, actually, it's a good record. Yeah, I, I probably have it um, somewhere because I I, have it. I remember when he put out. He was putting out stuff. I would just grab it regardless. Um, but yeah, high anxiety. Ooh, first one. Yeah, it looks like they only had one. Um, but it said, well, that's right. It was Black Spokes members, Abandoned Hearts Club, Concrete Tank, Saigon Distress Signal, and Bayonets, and Crew Suicide. Who from Crew Suicide was in that? Wasn't was Bennett in it? Might have been. I can't remember. I think Either way, Bennett was in it. Um, cause I think, and he was in career suicide. I don't know if he played on. Yeah, guys. he was. You're right. He's on guitar. Um, yeah. I wasn't aware of that. Okay. Um, but yeah, that, uh, but that's a good example of like a, a band of an era. Again, that's not like this record came out in 2008 and you know, which I guess is almost 10 years old now, which is crazy to think of in my mind. But, um, to me, that's new. And Wait, like they, where do they, they have the X members thing. Did you, did you see that? Oh, is that on the? If cover? you go to the actual Living Darkness on the resource, like click on their name, and it has the whole like descriptor. Ah, yeah, that's a crazy list of people. Anyway, sorry to mean to cut you off. Yeah, no worries. But um, I just think like this is one of those groups that you know people, especially from out of area, aren't terribly familiar with, and. So high anxiety, you know, to elaborate, uh, Chris Callahan, of course, ran that, if you will, um, put out, I think, five, re- oh, maybe more than five, it looks like, I thought he put out five records, but it's more, oh, he did all the curse stuff too, or at least the last, anyway, um, but yeah, he put this out as the first seven inch um, that he did, and they were just like, there was, yeah, there was this like scene onto this. Like I like I I've never played with Living Darkness. I don't even know if Fucked Up ever did. Did they? Yeah, I think we did. I'm pretty sure we did because I definitely saw them a couple times. Yeah, I know I've seen them, but I, I don't I believe I walked with them one time. Um, but I might be mistaken. Or like not Ottawa Kingston, maybe with them. Oh, okay. So not in the city. High Anxiety looks like they put out eleven records by what I could tell here. Yeah, like a lot of stuff that I'm going to say. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if all this stuff is necessarily essential, essential, but definitely some sick records in here. Yeah, I, uh, I would say some essential stuff like that. Omega's record is is fucking sick. Yeah, I was just going to say if if you had to choose um, the record that is going to take the cake here for me at least is that Omega Sonic Order record from '09. Uh, not Toronto, of course, but great band. Um, but yeah, I, I think Curse Last Curse Session's great. Fucking, yeah, it's a great record. Yeah. I mean, I, I, there's a lot of stuff on here I like in general. Purity, so back to the Living Darkness thing real quick. Purity Control is another example of a group sort of that, to me, kind of came out of, you know, didn't directly come out of like the Living Darkness scene, but that's another one of those, or even the Wastoids. You know what I mean? Like that Wastoids for me are like descendants of like almost – Although not descendants of, but you know what I mean? Like that's more like in the bad skin vein or something or bad skin, uh, you know, bad skin was like, yeah, you know, we were talking about this earlier, but to me, they they had that moment where they ran Toronto. Like they were like the main band in Toronto. 
Yep, and uh, they that record of theirs got posthumously released, if I remember correctly. I don't have that uh, record. I just have their demos. I gotta get that record. I don't think I have the actual. I might have the demo, but the, it's. I think it's just the demo as a seven inch, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. But um, anyway, yeah, it came out in 2013, and I'm pretty sure they were long gone. But Bad Vibrations put it out, who I believe were um, what you call it. Uh, Terminal State, like a uh, Terminal State crowd or School Jerks Ivan? crowd. Yeah, it was either Ivan or Ben. I don't know which oh, one. Yeah, but Naughty Girls and School Jerks and stuff. Yeah, because yeah, it's got – they put out Kremlin and uh, Naughty Girls, School Jerks. Yeah, so Bad Skin was one of the ones that fell on that too, and FLQ. Actually, wow, Bad Vibes put out good records. And yeah, it's, Bad Vibrations oh, put out some great records. Yeah, and it's funny. I don't think about it often, but looking at it now in front of me, yeah. I love that Kremlin record. Kremlin were incredible. Kremlin were a fantastic band. Yeah. Highly – like they were rated when they were playing. But, I mean, now I don't know how many people will remember them, you know, in the next five years or something. But for me, they're one of the better live bands in recent years. Yeah. For sure. Anyway, um, but, yeah, that kind of that scene, I just thought it was cool that she showed that out, like Living Darkness. I thought that was a neat mention. Um, and all that. So I don't know. I don't know what my point was off that. I'm getting tired, but anyway, <laughs> me too. I think we're getting close to the end of the episode, Chris. Yeah, man. Um, which is fine. Uh, I did want to talk about, uh, there was something else I wanted to get to. Oh yeah. Uh, that, that whole thing with Sam from the explosion and I believe also, <laughs> uh, trouble, right? You know what? I don't remember him. I, again, I'm bad with the membership, but yeah, like of, of who was in what bands. But yeah, when she was mentioning that, I found that really funny too. And the other, the other on the back of that, the uh, the Thirteen Engines guy also producing yeah. one of her things. Yeah, she had a lot of really interesting little anecdotes, which I would have never guessed. Like I would have never tied anything with the explosion to UTI, and that alone is pretty amazing. But uh, yeah, the thirteen hundred singer and the fact that she recommend like recognized the dude because those videos were just played constantly in the nineties if you lived in Canada. Oh um, yeah, thirteen engines were a popular band, and they're also on the on guard comps, um, which is uh, which is like uh, I guess like one of like I don't know eighty seven kind of punk comps. Doughboys, I believe, are on it too. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I'm just looking up the explosion. Yeah. I was trying to look up the memberships, but yeah, I, the explosion, um, I like the explosion. I, I like that flash, flash, flash LP quite a bit, but, um, never got heavily into them. I think I saw them open for someone once. I feel like it was maybe the noise conspiracy or something. Yeah, he I was believe. in trouble too. Sam's in trouble. Of course. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So, but yeah, that, I had no idea about, any of those people ever being in Toronto or coming here or any of that, that was news to me. Yeah, no, he lives in Toronto still. Um, but I had no idea at any connection at all to UTI. <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome to think like that band has like, you know, like the, uh, had like a, a like a Boston, you know, punk, you know, legend, like the trouble are like a legendary band, Yeah, uh, you know, producing their demo and probably unbeknownst to them, certainly from the conversation, like Leah seemed to you know, talk about the explosion mainly, but you know, kind of cool. 
Yeah, totally. Again, I just thought it, the thing I liked about that the most is I thought that just screams footnotes right there. It definitely screams that, footnotes. <laughs> that part of the story. It definitely. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, that was a it was a neat observation. Deep, cool band. Um, Thirteen Engines is still flooring me again. For for non Canadians, you're just going to be like not know what that is and probably don't care and probably shouldn't care. But it's a pretty funny big mention for people here. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Like we used to fucked up used to record at this place, and the guy who owned the studio next to it, like it was two studios in this place, was the guy from Moist. And let me tell you, <laughs> it's another one. Yeah. Yeah. Every time I saw him, I was like pushed just a little too late. In my <laughs> yeah. That was like, uh, for, for people, not for non-Canadian people, um, the easiest way to describe them, I think would be that they were our Pearl Jam. It's probably the best way of describing them. <sighs> it's very generous, Chris. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. I don't know. Like, like I, like I think career-wise, not really. They definitely no. But I'm saying, like, if we were to, yeah, like, like put, sonically, you're right. If we were to put like Tea Party is our Allison Chains and whoa, uh, God, uh, dude. Uh, <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of bands of that era. We've got to have more self-respect than that in a post-Drake era. <laughs> I do for OVO the bands Dame. I like. OVO Dame over here. Like, Sloan's always been great. Sloan's Sloan is legit amazing. Like Sloan yeah. is like the one that's like actually like legit amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, actually, you know, Pursuit of Happiness had some songs. And yeah, yeah I'm Berger, okay like with... what a run that dude had in three incredible bands. Yeah, I'm okay with I'm okay with him. Like I just uh, you know I'm not even trying to talk talk some smack about some of these bands. I just think like when I think of what they were to like how much you'd hear them on the radio and everything else that it was like akin to something like that maybe for non. Canadian people who are not familiar with these bands, almost certainly. Did you did you fuck with Bare Naked Ladies? No, not at all. No, I remember like like anybody, it was ubiquitous. Like I remember hearing like I know the songs enough because they were played all the time. Uh, I think Brian Wilson's actually a decent song, but no, not really, not my thing. Yeah, they, I, I, I like I got a couple tracks. You're, I love the biggest claim to fame, which is the footnote thing from ages ago, which was dude. <laughs> Was you like what was it that they were supposed to do something ugly pop or yeah, something? Yeah, I talked to the bass player and they were supposed to do something with Discuss Your Records, Simon Harvey's pre ugly pop. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. So there you go. What, that, what that could have was, been? That like that that would have yeah. <sighs> that blew my mind. That walking into Gabe Sapolsky's house and looking like I was walking into a roadie for Neurosis's house. Blew my mind, but I think that would blow my mind even more. <laughs> yeah, that actually happened. I think we can officially say that uh, fucked ups. What could have been is about that. Let's just say from now on, going forward, <laughs> yeah. and not about um, a uh, person who worked at a fast food restaurant. <laughs> I don't even know what you're talking about. It's about I didn't read the lyrics. It's not about that bare naked ladies almost put out a record yeah, on that's discussion. What that's what it's about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, though, there's definitely, uh, there's gold in those hills still. We're, we're mining it. We're mining it with turned out of punk. You know, we're finding yep. about connections. We're connecting some dots, making some, uh, <laughs> making some, uh, webs known. <laughs> totally. So, uh, but I think that's it for this week, Chris. 
Yeah, I think we're I think we're good. There's a few things we can touch on, but I'm sure they will come up on other shows. I think so as well because I think you and I are both tired, and both of us have to face reality that yeah, it's going to be a a long day tomorrow. Yeah. Um, so, but before we go, if you want to find me, you can find me on various forms of social media at Left for Damien. You, there's a DamienAbraham.com website which has the Turn It a Punk email address for just general Turn It a Punk emails. Uh, and uh, also, yeah, check out uh, the uh, Tournament of Death documentary I made over on YouTube if you haven't, because I got a lot more like that coming, and it's <laughs> it's, it's crazier but less bloody. <laughs> Put it that way. Um, so I can get maced. <laughs> that's crazy, dude. Willingly. Jeez. Willingly. Anyway, but that's that's for another day. Uh, but how do they get in touch with us here at Turn Out of Punk Footnotes, Chris? Well, it's turned out of punk footnotes at gmail.com. And so I will see you soon. Uh, I'm going to be in Mexico City. Um, say hi if you're in Mexico City and you see me wandering around looking for punk records. And, uh, <laughs> that's it, Chris. Well, thank you so much, buddy. It's been great talking to you again. Yeah, man. Soon enough, we'll get back, uh, get back to the regular deals. Yes. Yes. Come, uh, November. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs>